0: what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 72 of uncovering unexplained mysteries for sunday 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 november 26th my name is josh cannon and i am here with michael h brown h yeah h i don't know w oh w (laughs) what's the w stand for william william michael william brown wow that's such a a lofty name man are you like a you a scholar have you written some novels
1: no but uh i don't like being called that name because that's the name my mom would always use when she was like really mad at me yeah (laughs) so it's like whenever i hear that i just think of like what did i do wrong what did i do this time
0: yeah, that's how it was. With my, my my, I'm Joshua Lee Cannon, which has a nice little <laughs> ring to it. Joshua Lee Cannon, get in here. <laughs> and then she would beat me with a hot iron. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so, Mike, how was your Thanksgiving? We just had Thanksgiving, and it
1: was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Um, I was still getting over that stupid cold, and it did not help that I took some allergy meds. I'm gonna t- do not do that. Allergy meds are not the same as cold medicine. If you have a cold, don't take allergy meds while you're you're trying to get over your cold. Like, that's just going to make things worse. So, um, and it was, it was fine. Visited with, uh, with, uh, the family, you know, went over to my grandmother's house in, uh, Portland, uh, the Tigard, Oregon area. That's pretty much my home. Uh, town. That's that's and that's pretty much the house that I grew up in because I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, but I would do not remember anything about it because my mom and my dad met when they were in the Navy, and then they had me in Hawaii, and then like they divorced when I was like three years old or something. So I I don't really remember anything. Mm. Um. So most of the most of my memories are associated with that house, and uh, over the years it's definitely changed a lot. Uh, when I moved out, my my grandmother, uh, she started uh, taking in foreign exchange students and my cousin is staying there and he went off and did his own thing on Thanksgiving, but uh, his dad, my uncle came over, Uncle Bruce. And then there was my, my, my grandma, uh, my stepdad, Troy, my mom, and Troy's friend, Colin, who's kind, kind of a character, very loud guy. Like, I mean, you think I can get loud? Like, uh, uh, Colin could get even louder. Like Is he one of, those guys, of is he's
0: one of those guys that, like, when you walk into a room, like, even if he doesn't know you, he goes, Hey, what's up, big dog? What's up, big man? Like, one of those loud <laughs> motherfuckers. No, no, he's
1: kind of like that a little bit, yeah. I mean, he, he's trying to get me to call him Uncle Colin, and I'm just not, I'm not for that at uh, all. Uh, yeah, no.
0: If you're not my biological, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm weird about that um you know if, if they're not like biologically my uncle or whatever the family relation I'm not really into calling someone like hey yeah. uncle whatever the fuck like uh <laughs> it gets kind of complicated with second cousins because it's like what are yeah. you gonna say hey second cousin Bob you know like so <laughs> you know I just say uh, you know like, but
1: yeah so just had some Thanksgiving lunch and then I went out we just hung out for a little bit And then I went, we watched, I watched, uh, well, actually we watched an SNL compilation of like Saturday Night Live skits that were Thanksgiving related. That was fun. And then I actually went and visited, uh, my, uh, I think it's an aunt, um, excuse me, or or named Lorraine. And she's like 101 years old. Good Lord and what was crazy about her it was pretty just meeting her and talking to her she's as sharp as a tack and like still goes grocery shopping still cleans her own house like i have 101
0: she's a centenarian or centurion or whatever they're called
1: yeah it it was it was it was really surprising to me like it was one of those i was like wow like Normally when you think of like somebody who's like that old, you're thinking like they're like, they can barely even move and yeah, they their, their like mind the, isn't. They look like a raisin. Yeah. Their mind isn't really there, but not the case with Lorraine. That's awesome. So, that's, that's, that's great. You her. know, we
0: can only hope to have a, a longevity I mean, not all of us want to live that long. God knows I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm good to drop out in that, in like my 70s. I think I'm, that's
1: it, Josh. You're gonna live to like 150. You're gonna like break records. Jesus
0: Christ! You know what? I think for the the last like, if I live to 150, the last like 80 years of my life would be spent in an in insane asylum. Because like my sanity isn't gonna be here much longer. Um, so yeah, it's so you can listen back to these podcasts, and go, oh, he was still sane in those kind of and uh, you know whatever. <laughs> I'm having some kind of weird tupac moment right now where I'm predicting a bunch of shit that's gonna happen to me in the future. Uh, my Thanksgiving was good as well, I went over to my brother's house, ate some food, blah blah, fucking blah. you know everyone's Thanksgiving is pretty much the same, you know no, I mean it's not like yeah it's like oh I, oh, let me tell you, I went to my Thanksgiving and my uncle got explosive diarrhea and it just he just <laughs> made a mess and it was hilarious. And then I slapped my grandmother and oh my god, it was crazy. Like no one ever has a Thanksgiving story like that. So
1: Yeah, but unless you have a dysfunctional family. If you have a dysfunctional family, then yeah, your Thanksgiving is probably uh one for the ages every year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like uh, that's, a, that's uh, I, that reminds I, me of the SNL skit that we saw, and, and that one's really funny. It has Will Ferrell in it and Gwyneth Paltrow who's playing like uh, this this friend of their daughter, the character's daughter. Will's, Will Ferrell's car- uh his character's daughter, and she's like talking all gangster and shit, and like they're it's the whole thing where they're like eating loudly, like they don't say anything for like an uncomfortable amount of time at the beginning of the sketch. All you hear is just the sound of knives and forks clanging on the plate, <laughs> and and then you know just devolves into random just yelling and nonsense. Mm. Uh, it was actually it was pretty funny because it's a typical dysfunctional family thanksgiving you
0: know they could take like all like what 30 seasons of saturday night live or however many seasons they have and they if they boiled it down into like three seasons then it would be the funniest show that uh, that's ever been out (laughs) but the the problem is is you can't do that unfortunately it's gone
1: on it's gone on way too long i personally feel it needs a new uh a new look i think it needs a new cast i think it needs new writers i think it needs a new producer i think it needs entirely new blood i think it needs a whole new blood transfusion because it is so stagnant and stale and uh, dude I'm,
0: I'm not gonna lie i'm kind of excited for the uh if you ever find time to do the second podcast you're speaking of which mike's, <laughs> mike's plan doing a second podcast everybody He's, all
1: right I'll, okay i'll let people know about it um i had this idea in my head for a while i saw a documentary called too funny to fail which is about the rise and fall the life and death I gotta of watch the data carvey show and it was great it was entertaining it was funny and informative and there were some poignant things that were said by some people in the in the film that made me think you know what all right i should i should i should actually just get a get the time to do the, this podcast idea that i've i've had and it's called Behind the fail and what it is, it's about different various fails in film, television and product history, uh, maybe even music and things like that, depending on how, how far I get into it. And what I'm planning on doing for the first episode is the infamous sixth season of SNL that was so spectacularly terrible that it almost canceled the entire show entirely after it just barely begun. And it, it is a pretty awful awful season full of just some of the most unfunny bad sketches you will ever see in your life. But I think it would make for an interesting podcast to talk about the fail and then maybe try to find some positives and then maybe in the end, see whether or not it really is a fail to begin with. Because I think there, there are some things that are considered to be fails like the Dana Carvey show, which is one I want to do. I want to do an episode of behind the fail on that as well. It actually isn't that bad Like it, 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 it took a little bit to get its stride But once it got into its stride It was a really funny sketch comedy
0: Yeah I think that's a good idea for a podcast uh, I, I'm i looking forward to that if, if you ever get around to doing it um, <laughs> And you gotta let me be a, a special guest on there one time Um, So yeah, yeah If I ever
1: do one on the Un- Unsolved Mysteries reboot Oh
0: god yes Yes, but there won't be any ray of light at the end of that episode. <laughs>
1: no. No. So
0: I hope everybody enjoyed fail. the uh collab we did last week with Samantha and Liz from Perhaps It's You. They are so funny, funnier than me, which makes me like jealous and kind of angry cuz like
1: way funnier than me.
0: I like being the funniest person in the room and and I wasn't with them, <laughs> but it was great having one regardless. I hope everyone liked it. Did you enjoy that experience, Mike? Was that pleasurable yeah, it was fun. for you? I don't know, if pleasurable. Well, is the pleasurable, right word. that's a weird word to use <laughs> in, in the context of things here. Uh that was the first thing that came to my mind. I woke up like an hour, no, two hours ago. Hey,
1: so you know you're on the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast when Josh is making awkward yep. comments. Yep. Like that's just that's just the hallmark of the show. You know
0: this is this actually ex- this episode is starting out as one for just a classic uh Un- Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast because there have been like at least ten minutes of chit chat in here. <laughs> uh, so this is like- well we
1: haven't done chit chat in a while, so that's this is kind of this is kind of a uh, special occasion, I guess.
0: So anyway, the cases that we're covering uh, okay. this this week or whatever, uh, two of them are requests. The, the two that I picked, and then one is Mike, uh, one that Mike picked, and he'll mm-hmm. probably tell me why when we get to it. But this first yep. one, starting out, is uh, Shane Stewart and Sally McNally. I mean, seriously, if your last name was McNally, why would you name your kid Sally? Are you just do you do you hate your kid that much that you want her to get bullied like in school? I mean, like. Uh, wh- that's like that r- Dude, there's a race car driver Named Dick Trickle I shit you not <laughs> His last name was Trickle His parents named him Richard Dick Trickle
1: Oh, so I. they probably were inspired by uh, The Days of Thunder character that Tom Cruise played Cole Trickle Oh, wow okay. I think that's his name, yeah Dick Trickle, good god Dick Trickle is worse though and then you- That's like less Balls my mom knew a guy named Les Balls. And <laughs> Les- his first name was Leslie. <laughs> God So he he lost either way. It was like, I either go with Les Balls, or, or I Balls. go with Leslie Balls. <laughs> that is unfortunate, you know. That's uh. Or you have the senator, whatever his name was, Dick Pound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it, it Rip Torn. That's actually kind of a cool name. Um... Rip Torn from the Larry Sanders show, which nobody's heard of. Um so anyway- I remember
1: Rip Torn in things like Men in Black. Yeah, Men in Black, yeah. He has- Robocop 3. He has a real gravelly voice. He was the narrator for this uh short lived horror anthology called Ghost Stories, the most generic title imaginable yeah, for really. a horror yeah. anthology yeah. series.
0: So anyway, this case is Sally McNally and um Shane Stewart. Shane Stewart.
1: This is another. Sounds like a race car driver name.
0: Yeah, well, there is a a Stewart race car driver, so that's probably why. Um, This is another. This is another Satan. I don't know about Satanic Panic, but this is another. You know, Satan was hot in the '90s, guys. I mean, what what can (laughs) you really say? He was on the top of the charts. He was
1: smoking.
0: He was. Well that's actually this is late 80s but close enough. I consider the late 80s and early 90s like one in the same as far as decade cuz the fashion, the music, all that shit still sounded pretty much the same. Uh um, Well yeah,
1: I mean that's the same for any sort of uh first couple years in a decade. Yeah. As I've sure. no- that I've noticed. Like if you look at films from like 8 1980 and 1981, you could it's it looks like a, films from like the late 70s yeah same same with that like sort of look to it like
0: american pie and shit you know some of those yeah. came out in the early 2000s but it still had a very 90s feel to the movie yeah so anyway um independence day 1988 a uh, few months before i was born was a reunion of sorts for shane stewart and sally mcnally i'm gonna say her name like that every time folks just be ready for <laughs> it uh each had recently returned to their hometown of san angelo texas uh, it was their first time together in months. It was also the last time they would ever be seen alive. The next morning, a ranger discovered Shane's car abandoned near a local lake. Fast food wrappers covered the front seat. Was this my car? The keys were on the dashboard. Shane and Sally McNally were nowhere to be found. Louis A. Hargraves was a lieutenant for the Tom Green County Sheriff's <laughs> Department. <laughs> Tom Green. At the time of the murder. <laughs> really the tom green county sheriff's department tom green has his own fucking county that is a that's
1: tom green has tom green ever been there like that would just be classic i bet just, that's like, a wacky. A of him.
0: that's got to be a wacky county um <laughs> daddy would you like some sausage
1: <laughs> people
0: milking cows and shit so according to louis hargraves he goes there were no signs of a struggle and so consequently we looked at it from a standpoint of two kids who ran off and got married uh, that November, two skeletons were found near a lake, 17 miles from where Shane's car had been abandoned. Shane's father, Marshall Stewart, was driving when he heard the call on his police scanner. I got out of the pickup truck and walked over to the area, gut feeling as apparent. parent. It was Shane, dressed exactly like he'd left the house that night. And I knelt down beside him and told him that I found him and we would take him home. And you can the read.
1: forces of nature had washed away all forensic clues but detectives were able to determine that both victims had been killed by a gunshot blast. The discovery of Shane and Sally's bodies were the culmination of a four-month search, which introduced their parents to a strange and frightening subculture. Marshal Stewart and Pat Wade, Sally's mother, discovered that their children were engaged in activities which many believed were linked to a satanic cult. In Sally's case, it appeared to be a part of a desperate search for acceptance in the wake of a painful and troubled childhood. Yeah, Marshall well- Stewart... Recalled the instant connection between Shane and Sally. When Shane and Sally met, it was just like two people clicked on. There was a bond there that was almost inseparable. It was like the two kids were made for each other.
0: Now I like the segment, like how the beginning, it starts out where they, they, they really paint these two kids, like these all American, you know, uh, yeah. like good goodie two shoes. Yeah. Goody two shoes. And, uh, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that was a purposeful choice. I'm sure it was, um, but, but then, you know, later on, they really, like, you know, they really let it rain down on you. Is
1: the, the, the fact <laughs> yeah, that, they really laid it on thick, that they were troubled.
0: Yeah, like, it starts out, you know, like, all, like, you know, they're, they're watching fireworks together on a hood of a car for the 4th of July, for fuck's sake. I mean, how much... All-American couple. How much more all-American fucking apple pie can you get than that? Then, you know, as it goes on, it's like, no, they were both fucked in the head some way or another. Shane had problems with people owing him money or he owed money to and they're involved in the satanic cult and all this shit it
1: sounds like rumor mongering yeah like that's the kind of thing it sounds like it sounds like the these two got on somebody's bad side and somebody's just spreading rumors about them but it actually was from what we see here legitimate but there's other times where it's not, it's just somebody just spreading rumors and, and slandering somebody because they don't like them, so they're all like, oh, they're in a satanic cult, you know? They they worship Satan, and, and, and Sally, she's a slut, yeah, and, 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 Shane, and Shane was gay. Shane. You know, he had, a, he had a lover on the
0: side that, you know, I know about, but no one else knew. about. And yeah, if you want to like, if you want, like, go to unsolved.com. It's Unsolved Mysteries' official website. Go to any story that you're interested in and search for it, and they'll have the transcript on here. And go, just go to the comment section and see the kind of drama that people already are trying to stir up. I mean, let alone the people who were involved in the segment at the time that these things happened in all these various segments. Just even to this day, there's still people trying to stir shit up in the comment section going, well, I I knew such and such, and uh, actually, this is what really happened. So it just goes to show you the human nature of people just wanting to start shit and gossip, you know. So,
1: Pat Wade remembered how much her daughter loved people. She would do anything for a friend. Sally tried hard to please people. She wanted people to like her. She wanted people to respond to her and love her. I married and had Sally when I was very young. So Sally and I spent a lot of our time growing up together. We were like sisters when she was small, and as Sally became a teenager, she became more and more rebellious, and I had less and less role in her life.
0: So she was more so, like she was more like her like the friend type of parent to the extreme. Um, mm-hmm. And if anyone's wondering, Pat Wade, Sally's mom, is in fact a babe. <laughs> she's she's pretty hot. Um. But no, I actually had a friend growing up in high school And his mom was the, pretty much the same way uh, I will not name this person's name To save my life But um, First time I ever got high Was with definitely with him and his mom uh, <laughs> And his mom And, wow, yeah, that, that, and that his is, mom that's what, That is
1: a crazy that's, thing that's, To what, be a part of That's what kind of mom that, she was That had to be a sight I viewed her. I, I, I like he
0: lived with his. They both lived with uh, the grandparents. So it was his grandparents. Were it,
1: the grandparents getting high
0: too? No, the, gran- like, everybody's the grandparents high. were like the actual <laughs> parents of the kid. Basically, uh. like the grandparents acted like the parental figures, and his mom wow. was more like his big sister. Is how I viewed it. <laughs> and we were like fourteen or fifteen years old, and yeah, we'd go up to her room. Wow, and- that
1: is that is totally irresponsible. Gosh. Oh yeah, uh, oh, um, so you, I am. You think I am get- ashamed? <laughs> i was, try- no, I was, was, dude, I was trying to be cool man no i mean i, I
0: was i was I, honestly i've i've smoked pot probably a dozen times in my life and i've had maybe three times where it went really well where i was like really We're, in- where
1: at least at least it's just pot like you know didn't try a heroin heroin
0: no no i did not try the cocoa no did never try that although i think I so know. you weren't in
1: love with a Coco.
0: I was not. Oh, my God. How do you know that song, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck do you know that song? I, you, you, you don't float around in the circles who listen to music like that.
1: Uh, memes and uh, other videos that used it uh, in jokes. That's the oh, okay. reason why I it's know a, that song.
0: That's a god-awful song. OT Genesis, Coco. If anyone's uh, curious about what song we're talking about, it's awful, awful song. I, I remember when it first came out, I'm like, there's no way this made it on... The fucking radio
1: i think it was people were just ironically enjoying it because it's just hilarious yeah to hear this guy go i'm in love with the cock oh uh, yeah
0: whatever,
1: you know I,
0: I i figured that had to be the angle for the song when i first heard <laughs> it because i was like this is so fucking bad uh this is the add <laughs> that people bitch about in our one-star reviews by the way what we're doing right now how uh, we just, whatever see how we broke away from the story folks and now we're just like going off on a fucking random rap song Anyway, soon enough <laughs> Sally began to attend ritualistic parties on a regular basis. One evening, she invited her friend Helen J Williams to join her. Helen recalled what happened at the party, quoting Helen here. Sally McNally went into a trance. And this is this was this is late 80s folks. This wasn't 90s trance, you know. This wasn't This wasn't Sandstorm by Darude trance. This was like a satanic trance. And it really scared me. Half of me said Sally's pulling a stunt. Just ignore it. And then half of me said, well, maybe uh, it's uh they're kind of having fun.
1: Sally really <laughs> How is that having fun? Yeah, I don't... Like...
0: <laughs> Sally really got to a point to where she thought nobody loves me. These people come along and say, Okay, we'll give you that love, we'll give you that companionship that you need. Uh you just come with us and do what we ask, and we'll also give you little satanic demons that'll haunt you at night.
1: And we'll give you some uh, satanic cocaine. The special type of cocaine.
0: The devil's dancing dust. The (laughs) devil's dandruff. (laughs) The devil's dandruff. That's that's all that cocaine is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is great. That's classic. The devil's dandruff. I love it. When Sally began dating Shane Stewart, she introduced him to her new friends. Marshall Stewart saw immediate changes in his son's behavior. Shane started getting into fights. One day, Shane was getting the better of this guy, and his two friends jumped in, and then he was thrown into the river. So I told him, I said, you should have learned a lesson. One, not to fight, and two, beware of where you are and what you're doing because people can always gang up on you. And three,
0: don't get into fights near rivers because people might throw you in them.
1: In March of 1988, Sheriff's Deputy Larry Counts received a call from Sally. She and her boyfriend, Shane, were members of this group, and they were trying to get away from it. She said there was a lot of drugs involved. Hey, it still ties into what we were talking about. They were in love with the cocoa. Oh my god, Mike, no. Please don't make this a thing. (laughs) They were in love with cocaine. With the devil's dandruff. How about that? (laughs) There
0: you go. That's better.
1: There was a lot of group sex.
0: Hey, what's wrong with that? I mean, they're saying that like it's a bad thing.
1: Well, if, 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 you know, it's not good group sex, like if it's just, I mean,
0: there's going to be a funk in the air, but besides that, if everyone's like, well, wearing- no, I
1: meant like if, if nobody's like, if it's like, they're not really that attractive and then it's kind of awkward and
0: well, then why are they and, having and- sex with each other if they're not attracted to each other?
1: The drugs. Oh, it's true, the devil's dandruff. Talk. Well,
0: no. If they were, if they had sniffed the devil's dandruff, cocaine, you cannot get an erection to save your life. Uh, 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 if, if if you're uh, coked up. So I don't know. I don't know if it was cocaine.
1: Maybe they group cuddled.
0: There you go. Well, that doesn't <laughs> sound satanic at all. It sounds like Christianity.
1: Group cuddling. She also expressed that she had a weapon that had been given to her by another member of the cult, of the cult. And when he gave it to her, he told her and Shane that the gun had been used in a murder robbery. By that time, Shane and
0: Sally were living together. They met Deputy Counts in their apartment to hand over the gun. Deputy Counts recalled their meeting. And he also recalls counting. one, two, three. Four. Oh, that was so corny. That was such a dumb joke. Anyway, this is what he had to say.
1: Well, he didn't do the vampires then. Uh, the, uh, my, heart's <laughs> not,
0: my heart wasn't in that joke, so I just didn't even put any effort into it. So this motherfucker goes on to say, you know, just sit back. He he says some... No, he doesn't say anything that crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. Quoting Counts here, he goes, Well, during this meeting, when I first met them face-to-face, you'd really think they were making this stuff up, but they seemed sincere. After they gave me this weapon and we did some checking on it, it turned out to be a stolen gun, and their story became a little more credible. They did express fears that they might be hurt. She and her boyfriend might be in some danger because it's a very secretive type of group, and they knew the ends, and they knew the secrets.
1: I like the, they knew the ins and they knew the secret. Like, that's just saying the same thing. Twice. (laughs) Six weeks later, Shane and Sally moved out of their apartment and left town separately. But by early summer, both had returned to St. Angelo. In June, just two weeks prior to her disappearance, Sally made a desperate phone call to Helen. She told Helen someone was trying to kill her. Helen tried to counsel her friend. I said, nobody's going to come and shoot you. I said, what did you do? She said well I really can't tell you she just tended to exaggerate things so I really didn't think much of it and I really didn't think to call Pat and say Pat Sally's in trouble there's something wrong I mean I didn't think anything about it and I don't blame her like if she's used to Sally just saying wild and crazy stuff then it makes sense that she's like I, why should I believe this this time that's the problem if you cry wolf oh yeah that's the kind of shit that can happen
0: yeah and I mean like Like, I personally know of this security guard who, uh, I won't say, I I work somewhere and he does security for the place. I'm trying not to implicate any of these people in my life, but, uh, (laughs) this guy's like, he's like a year younger than, no, no, actually he's like 26, so he's a few years younger than me. And, uh, you know, he's always making these, like, he's always telling me these stories and he's making these statements, I don't know if they're true or not about how he's, he's, you know, suicidal and he doesn't give a fuck, you know, and- and he's told other people about how he's, um, I don't know, the crazy story he told my friend. My friend walked up to him one day, and because everyone kind of knows this guy, my friend walked up to him. He's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And he goes, "Honestly, I just want to go into the bathroom and put a bullet in my head." And I'm just sitting here going, like, "This, that's good. Let's give this guy a gun, you know?" And he has one. He's he's an armed security guard. It's like that's great. Let's give this guy who's talking about killing himself. Sometimes he makes jokes about killing other people.
1: It's like I told my he makes f- jokes about killing other people. This guy shouldn't be a security guard. I know, guard.
0: yeah, because because <laughs> another security guard who worked with him came up to him one time because he was sitting down at a table with his little girlfriend or something, and the other security guard came up and said something like really inappropriate uh, that I won't even repeat um, about the girl or whatever. And the guy who I feel is mentally unstable gets up and he goes. You know, what the fuck did you just say? Apologize to her. You don't think I'll hesitate to bullet put a bullet in you and then put a bullet in myself? And then the guy Damn. And I'm like I'm like and, and he's telling me this like, you know, yeah, man, I really flexed on that security guard, you know, he, he was apologizing after that. And I'm like, Uh-huh, that's great, buddy. I'm gonna be nice to you, so when you do go on that killing spree, you'll sp- <laughs> you'll spare my life. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah. So like, when people do shit like this, like what they're talking about in this segment, and and it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think, you know, anything of it, and I didn't say anything. I can totally relate, cause this motherfucker. I should. I feel bad for saying this to everyone now, and uh, now everyone's gonna be like, dude, you seriously need to report this guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but like, yeah, it's like if, you know, if he goes on some mass shooting or something, it's like, oh, we had no idea. It's like, no, I knew. <laughs> like, he's fucking nuts. <laughs> like, I totally see why he did that shit. Um, so yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> you
1: should definitely try to report him now, though. I mean, that seems but kind of who do serious. I report
0: him to, though? Like, uh, uh, I don't know,
1: his superior?
0: His superior is his dad.
1: Oh, that's a whole nother problem yeah, his dad entirely. his dad
0: owns a security company and his dad's well aware that his son's fucked in the head but he's like wow i guess he's like oh
1: he's not fucked well, enough
0: you know he can well still do
1: it. i don't I don't know how anything's gonna get resolved then because Is he hasn't done anything yet. to his dad that you can contact? no no
0: it's his, his his dad's company like like You know, I...
1: That's a tough situation. Yeah,
0: it's like you have to almost wait until he does something,
1: you know, before you can do anything, you know? Well, I mean, just that's... That's terrible. I know. It sucks. So, police reconstructed the events which preceded their disappearance. At 9 p.m., Shane and Sally watched the animal fireworks display at Lake Nazworthy. Four hours later, a fisherman spotted them at O.C. Fisher Lake, six miles away. Randall Littlefield was an eyewitness. I heard them talking about how they didn't want to be with them people no more. (laughs) I listened a little bit more, and they continued arguing, and I got to thinking, well, it's just a bunch of kids out there drinking, partying, and I turned my boat around, and I left. It was uh, the last time anyone saw Shane
0: Stewart and Sally McNally alive, where Shane Stewart, were Shane Stewart and Sally McNally, murdered by their quote-unquote friends as a direct result of their cult activities. Police are convinced that witnesses to the crime are afraid to come forward. And there's an update here. In June of 2017. Oh, this is a wow. s- spicy fucking burned my hand on that update. It's still that hot. Uh, officers pulled over John Cyrus Gilbreth. Oh, what a what a beautiful last name.
1: This sounds like a satanic
0: cult member. Gilbreth. The total satanist. On suspicion of possession of marijuana. Jeez. You know you're in a small town when they pull you over for suspe- suspicion of possession <laughs> of marriage. They don't even... Well, it's, hey, they're like, oh, it's
1: Gilbreath. Come on. More like, you know he's been smoking the pot. He's
0: got some Gilbreath going on, and that's code for weed in this in this county, in this Tom Green county <laughs> that we live in. <laughs> Tom Green. Um, so they pulled this guy over, and a female uh. passenger in the car with Gilbreath told police that Gilbreath was a drug distributor prompting police to search Gilbreath's home. During the search, investigators found writings, audio tapes, and biological evidence that they believe are connected to Shane and Sally's murders. Gilbreath has not been charged in connection with the murders, but has been named a person of interest.
1: Hmm. And speaking of those people who say that I knew someone or I know something and this is what the real truth is, here's an example of of that uh, wonderful bit of information that you will garner from looking at the Unsolved Mysteries website. This is from Anonymous. I, for one, hope that they break this case wide open no matter who was involved. A friend of mine who has pa- passed, passed away many years ago stated that many of the high school kids who went to school at Lakeview knew who did it, but were afraid to come forward. I, for one, have always had a gut feeling that the major barrier is cover-up. Someone in San Angelo has a lot to lose if this case gets solved. Too many errors in the earlier investigation were glitched. Why were the kids in the truck who had Sally's wallet and driver's license not investigated further? I'm sorry, but it is illegal to have possession of someone else's license, and the police in San Angelo, Texas, knows that. I would not have put anything past the San Angelo Police Department during that time. They know or they had family involved, and they're covering it up with all fours.
0: Yeah, th- there's a comment like this in every single unsolved. Like, if you go on the website, on every single uh, segment or case, there's there's someone chiming in with this kind
1: of information. <laughs> I love this. I love this guy named Michael. Uh, meth being cooked in a very small apartment building across the street from an elementary. A married cop having an affair with a woman in the same building. The woman's niece is cooking the meth. The woman notices her niece is cooking the meth. The woman is a drug user. The cop is total innocent and involved. I'm sure. There's a major problem with the cops in San Angelo, Texas. What's the difference between organized crime and the code of silence? Think about it. And then Bill Wade replies, "It's like take your conspiracy theories and go away, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> we don't want or need your involvement."
0: <laughs> and, and from how you read that, I'm guessing there was a lot of exclamation points used.
1: It was just in caps, but that's oh, kind of uh, yeah, it.
0: same thing. Okay, true. And then
1: there's another caps one from this guy. He's like uh, Lewis Free. Maybe a phantom killer copycat killed them all. I encountered two in Texas and beat one in the head with a mag light, and the other took a one to fourths away from my Jager Hoover building combat shotgun, over heavily recoiled. Gonzalez was the phantom killer. <laughs> oh
0: my god, they man, everything is bigger in Texas. Jeez, everything's more violent in Texas. It sounds like
1: crazy. This comment section is oh nuts. dude,
0: the comments are amazing on unsolved.com. Like it adds, it it, it it's like. It just like adds to the narrative, you know, of the story. So I highly recommend people going to unsolved.com. Look up your favorite case. I swear to God. I mean, we could probably look up Allagash abductions on there and find some interesting shit from people <laughs> talking about like, I knew one of them aliens, and that's fucked up. That what they're saying about that. He would have never done that. He was a nice man. He only probed people who were who were into it. He wouldn't have just. They wouldn't have just done that to anybody. Them campers are liars
1: so we should totally do like a bonus thing just looking at the comment section of some of the cases
0: yes that's a good idea see mike you're an idea man that's that's why i hire you because this is a paid <laughs> friendship we are not actually friends in person I, I keep saying that people are gonna eventually believe it they're like oh, they, they really don't like each other um our next case uh again this was a request by who i don't fucking remember speaking of which um because, you know, I'm, I'm I'm so good to them. Uh, consider supporting us on Patreon, because I believe one of these came from Patreon. This might have been from Hannah Elizabeth. And if so, hey, Hannah. Thank thank you. Love you. Miss you. Um, you can sign up. I, I just freaked Hannah out. She's now un, like, taking her pledge away. But for anybody else, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And um, your suggestions, your requests go straight to the top of the list uh amongst other things like getting the podcast early sorry that hasn't happened in a a minute because uh look folks i've had like a wedding every freaking weekend for the past like month
1: so it's like multiple
0: weddings yeah so there's just i'm a wedding dj by the way i wasn't like getting married and getting divorced and (laughs) remarried in the spirit that would be really crazy (laughs) that would be insane um you, you'd thank my parents josh
1: cannon has set the world record for the amount of marriages one one man has had
0: turns out he just a year <laughs> turns out he just wanted a bunch of free toasters from uh <laughs> the wedding gifts um yeah that's all i was trying to do i was just trying to get a bunch of like you know as many toasters as possible and i figured getting married was a good way to do that um but no i i'm a wedding dj so i've been doing a bunch of weddings so uh, whenever we can which is nine times out of ten you'll get the podcast early there's benefits on there just check them out they're there um so I think this came from patreon uh in this story of John Horsley um and and his girlfriend whose name is not you mean Jason what did I say John I say John I feel like I said ja- yeah. I feel like I said Jason I'll go back nope, in the I said John. I'll go back in the tapes and we'll we'll time will tell who was right in this one <laughs> uh and his girlfriend deborah there she is um and it's titled M- malika griffin malika M- it's m-a-l-a-i-k-a malika malika i'm going with malika it's my my laika, not your Leika. so get your fucking canoe out of here that was another corny joke this is why <laughs> you should go listen to it. perhaps it's you podcast instead of ours um they're funnier Anyway, the
1: dad jokes over here. Oh,
0: bad dad jokes today. Um, the dad game is strong. Jason Horsley moved to Denver, Colorado in 1996 looking for the diversity he couldn't find in his hometown of Sheridan, Wyoming. The 25-year-old carpenter and his fiance Deborah Lois Lo- Lo- How did you say it? Loisel. Loisel. <laughs> Bought a a, um, a former crack house in the diverse City Park West neighborhood and spent many hours and thousands of dollars remodeling the home.
1: And Deborah, I mean, they probably got a good deal. I mean, I, I can see why you know they're trying to find a house, trying to move into a different place and into a different environment, experience a different culture.
0: I would not buy a crack house, though.
1: No, I wouldn't buy a crack house, though. That's the cause, thing. Because
0: generally speaking, I, I'd
1: sooner get an apartment or something before I get a crack house.
0: Yeah, generally speaking, crack houses are not located in good parts of town. It's not always that way. But mostly, it's true. Nine times out of ten, it's true. Now, we have done stories where uh, they were dealing drugs out of a suburban home and, and these, like, Mexican drug lords like rigged it up to where it looked like a family was living there yeah. and this, that, and the other. But but generally speaking, a crack I house, mean, you had
1: cases like Jesse James Hollywood who was this young kid, like, teenager or young adult who was dealing drugs in, like, California or something like in some rich neighborhood. The heart of
0: suburbia, yeah. So, so
1: uh... It, that can happen. You have the meth dealers and stuff like that who sell meth out of their own house in their suburban neighborhoods. But I like how the, I do like how how
0: unsolved mysteries will they keep they they would throw around the word diverse. You know, a lot of times it's like I don't know why they can't just say like black, Hispanic, Asian. You know, I, I guess diverse. Cause they is, have
1: to be politically correct? I, it's on network TV. That's true. I
0: guess that's a good catch-all. A diverse City Park West neighborhood. You know okay whatever uh, everybody knows what you mean when you say that i you know it's like it's, it's not you know you can just say it it's fine we're not gonna we're not gonna be offended i don't know nowadays though actually a lot of people probably would be offended like he said black and hispanic that that's that's talking about a group of people that offends me anyway i'm not gonna get off on that um however so it was their dream to buy this this trap house essentially um I guess they were little peep fans. I don't know, or they listened to a lot of trap music. <laughs> um, rest in peace, little peep. I, I don't know. I don't know that guy's music, but a lot of the kids like him. If you don't know who little peep is, he's got face tattoos. Look him up. I don't know. Maybe you'll be a fan of his music and his face <laughs> tattoos. Uh, he's white, by the way. Surprisingly, I, you know, go figure. Um, however, their dream that came true changed when Deborah met their neighbor Malika Griffin. Soon after moving in, Griffin. Allegedly threatened to kill Deborah's dogs and yelled several racial slurs at them. Jason and Deborah were Caucasian, and Malika was African American, so she was calling them a bunch of crackers. It's fine. I could say that I'm a cracker.
1: Um, Could be other things too. Uh, We we don't know.
0: Over the next few months, Griffin had several confrontations with her neighbors, and she had several issues with people parking in front of her house.
1: It just sounds to me like she's a bitch.
0: Yeah, she does sound like
1: race has nothing to do with this here. She a bitch is a bitch. She's being a terrible person. She's being obnoxious. She's uh doing all this awful shit. A bitch is a bitch. That almost
0: sounds like an ACDC song. A bitch is a bitch!
1: (laughs) (laughs) It probably is. It probably
0: is. Like and it probably goes just like that too, because all their songs sound very similar.
1: It kind of reminds me of uh uh there's an accept song called Son of a Bitch or I think I think it's called Son of a Bitch. Oh, yeah. I know
0: I know that song. Y'all don't mess with a son of a bitch. Song sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that song sucks. Uh she also she, she also complained to Jason about unloading his carpentry tools onto the public sidewalk in front of her house, but none of these arguments really? made sense to the couple because they had never trespassed on the Griffin's yeah, property. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, come on. So, this is. You're talking crazy. This is a ni-
0: this is nightmare next door material. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show on uh, Investigation Discovery, which is one of the best channels, I mean, for true crime fans. I think it's why a lot of people hold on to cable to this day, uh, is because of that channel. It's such a good sh- uh, channel. There's a lot of good shows.
1: Well, it was documented on Snapped and Deadly Women. So. Oh,
0: okay. So, yeah. So this, was, so this did make it on some of those shows. And, and uh, Snapped was... Uh, that was actually a good, really good show, too. That was on Investigation Discovery. Snapped was a show...
1: It started out in Lifetime, I think. Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah, it was
0: exclusively about women who murdered or did some crazy shit, which I thought was an interesting angle because, like, you're constantly getting beat over the head about how shitty guys are. And for the most part, yeah, guys do most of the murders So it was kind of cool seeing that, hey, yeah, women do this stuff, too. And not only... Did I think it was interesting because oh, finally they're they're not talking about how shitty men are, but I thought it was interesting because it's an interesting angle because usually the women would go about their murders in different ways, you know, because you know for whatever reason you know they would be put in these like caretaker positions or whatever, and I don't know, like there's a lot more poisonings and stuff like that, uh, so it was it was it was a good show. Um, so yeah, they have a bitch neighbor, um, and I've had I've had. uh Well, I I don't think I've personally had nightmare neighbors before, but I have gone to, like, friends' houses, and they had really bad neighbors who were just always starting shit. And, And let me tell you, man, there is nothing worse than when you can't even enjoy your own house and your own privacy. Your house is supposed to be your sanctum, and when you have someone who lives right next to you who's a problem, you just constantly feel uncomfortable. Like, that is one of the worst feelings ever.
1: Or if you have a roommate, your roommate is the one that's doing yeah, all that. Yeah, that could because yeah. of the law. Yeah, you can't necessarily kick them out, despite the fact that they're doing all these horrible, like, despicable things.
0: Yeah, thank God that I've never been in that situation where I've had a shitty roommate. I've always had, well, I take that back. I did have a shitty roommate for like two months, but anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get into that story. On May 19th, 1999... Oh, so this is a recent Unsolved one. Well, recent for that. Yeah,
1: it aired on the August 22nd, 2001 episode. So it was one of those later seasons uh, where, sadly, you could tell that Stack was starting to slow down and was not 100%.
0: Yeah, his voice started getting shakier and weaker and it didn't have the the robustness that it maybe once did. Yeah, it sucked. It was... It's kind of hard, but there were still some of my favorite segments came out of those later uh, seasons, Um, so there was still a lot of good stuff there. On May 19, 1999, Jason returned uh, from work and began unloading his tools on the sidewalk in front of Griffin's house, and she immediately came out and began screaming at Jason. Deborah said that when she went outside to see what was going on, Griffin threatened her, Um, and the women both stormed back into their houses. Jason continued to unload a truck when Griffin came back to the truck with a nine millimeter pistol and allegedly shot him in the back at point blank range the bullet pierced jason's heart and he was uh killed almost instantly
1: yeah see she's a bitch, <laughs> and she's not only a bitch now she's a murdering bitch
0: deborah found him slumped over his in his car unconscious and bleeding profusely and he passed away a short time after arriving at the hospital. Meanwhile, this just fucked up. Yeah. Like
1: he didn't do anything wrong in this situation at all except move into a neighborhood where his next door neighbor was some crazy psychotic wench who was uh, super pissed off at him uh, because he decided to leave his tools in front of his house briefly. Well, we, we later kind of learn
0: more about what motivated uh, this. This actually well, yeah. turned out to be a racially motivated crime. It was not,
1: it's not just that, too. I, I just wasn't going to, I was going to, you know, wait till we got to that. But still, I mean, that that's that's how ridiculous it is. So, it's on top of that, just the color of his skin, but also the whole thing where it's just leaving tools around. And I guess that's that's a, a, an offense that's worthy of being shot in the back. Killed.
0: Meanwhile, Griffin soon arrived at a friend's house and stole her car at gunpoint. So she's not she's not just crazy to white people. A, she goes to a friend's he, house and she like
1: yeah, holds her she's up. She's an equal opportunity criminal. Yeah, crazy or offender. Uh, the
0: car was found abandoned in Iowa two days later. Police searched uh, Griffin's room and found several racist literature and anarchist internet material, as well as ammunition, hand grenades, and a nine-millimeter pistol. And more specifically, what they found. Was the Anarchist Cookbook, and which I already knew about the Anarchist Cookbook. I actually read that shit when I was a teenager. I downloaded it off uh, LimeWire, and um, I read a good bit of the Anarchist Cookbook. And you got a virus? No, that was before <laughs> LimeWire became this uh, virus. Uh, it
1: became VirusWire, this
0: STD factory that it is now. <laughs> um, no, you could actually download shit back then and, and get some cool stuff. You know.
1: Well, I actually remember that. I, I remember, you know using that for mp3s back in the day yeah
0: so she had the anarchist cookbook and i didn't know about what this next book was the poor man's james bond uh book that's i'm gonna look into i want to get the anarchist cookbook like the first edition though because they apparently printed a new edition where they had to uh, omit a lot of the shit because dude the anarchist cookbook it tells you how to steal it tells you how to make bombs it tells you how to um uh like mind control it tells you how to like physically assault people and like how to like basically fight why do you want this yeah research purposes that's it that's the only reason i want it um she also had a manifesto about a a race (laughs) war and about
1: killing white people so so yeah it was racially this goes to show you that it's not only white people who can be racist well duh but there's a lot of people who feel that way
0: yeah but i mean like I mean, I know that, and I would hope our listeners would be savvy enough to to realize that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some uh, there are some people out there who just don't like white people to the to the extent to where they might kill them. Um, you know, I who knows? And who
1: it's knows? equally as wrong as a white person or or someone like that who wants to kill or murder or take out an entire race of people. Um, so, it's equally as egregious. Yeah, I mean, well,
0: nobody, nobody would, would, I don't think anybody would argue that it wouldn't be equally egregious. Um, who knows what this lady's life was growing up, you know? I mean, God knows how people arrive to...
1: At the same time, though, she's a piece of shit, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no. You killed somebody, and you've, for no reason other than the color of his skin... And the fact that you don't like him and you don't like what he's doing, it's just unacceptable. So um Shitty behavior.
0: Uh, according to police, an Iowa man claimed that Griffin had confessed to him that she had killed a man in Colorado. He drove Griffin to a bus station where she boarded a bus to Chicago. So this guy was like kind of helping, aiding and abetting a murderer. That's cool. Uh, Griffin's mother claims to have spoken to her daughter over the phone And that her daughter told her she was wanted for a Colorado murder And that she was in Chicago Griffin has not been heard from since And is wanted for the murder of Jason Horsley
1: But there is an update uh, She was actually captured on June 4, of 2005 After Griffin was profiled on America's Most Wanted uh, A tip lead led to the FBI to arrest her in El Cajon 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 Cajon, El Cajon, California. He'd been working at a biotechnology firm under an assumed name. He was found guilty of Jason's murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole.
0: And and you know this this segment is kind of I don't know it's kind of weird for me because they're talking about this person and and it's literally it's literally all their side of the story. I mean, yes, the guy did end up dead. So so it totally Mm -hmm. gives credence to like what they're saying is is probably you know true because he ended up dying, you know, he's obviously not st- yeah. still here alive, and he did die from a gunshot wound, and they all said that she did it. Um, although I don't know if there was actually anybody who witnessed her doing it. But, like, it it, com- it almost comes off as, like, that's their side of the story. And I'm, all- I'm always interested, like, I know there's two sides to every story. I'd almost be interested in hearing, like, you know, like, I wonder what her side of the story would be, you know? Her
1: side you of the know? story probably is going to say that I mean, look. She said that she murdered, killed a guy. Like she said, "I killed a guy." In, in, no, in, she said uh, that she was. Colorado. She said
0: she was. uh, Oh well, yeah. She oh, she's one. Well, she told the guy, yeah, she did actually. Tell yeah. It. Well, according to him, you know, which,
1: you know, I'm sure. I have no reason not to believe the guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you,
1: I don't know. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. Be, they found all this, uh, all these things in her bedroom, like. She had been, she had robbed another person's car, like you know, uh, who was uh, in the neighborhood or a friend of hers. So, I don't know it all adds up to me that she's one hundred percent the one behind all. Of this. I, I don't really. Yeah, see, no. My only point I was trying that, to
0: make was that, like, I would just, i just be like interested in hearing, like, you know, why, why, why did she do this? What was her thought process? Like, what, like, what was going on in her head? You know, that that you would want to. Uh, that you would want to do this, you know, like, did, did you snap? I don't know. Anyway, um, so that was that case that somebody wanted us to cover. I guess I can see why crazy neighbor. I love crazy neighbor. Na- yeah. I love crazy neighbor stories. Um, I don't know why I like them so much, but I mean, they made a whole show about crazy neighbors. Then
1: you, then you should, you should definitely watch the movie Pacific Heights sometime if you like crazy neighbors. That uh,
0: uh, a movie called Pacific Heights and it being about a crazy neighbor. That is the most like uh. Just about a crazy roommate. Non sequitur title I could think of, like a movie about crazy yeah. neighbors. We're gonna call it Pacific Heights. That sounds like a snowboarding movie,
1: <laughs> but it actually works though with the title because it it relates to the neighborhood I think or the area that it takes place. It
0: Reminds me of that movie, consenting adults.
1: For it's like reason. it takes it takes place in in uh, San Francisco. It's got Michael Keaton, um, and uh, Melanie. Gr- I think it's Melanie Griffith. And uh, Matthew Modine. And it's this uh, really well-made thriller of where there's this guy, named Carter Hayes, playing Michael Keaton, who's this inscrupulous... Uh, honestly, not a good guy. He's a bad guy. And he finds a way to uh, become a roommate of uh, this, new, this this couple who decided to lease a room in their apartment. And he just takes advantage of all of these... Laws that are still for the most part still in place when it comes to roommates and just makes their life a living hell. Hmm. Okay, cool. So, um one thing I want to mention before we get on to the last case. Uh America's Most Wanted, while they don't really didn't really have the production values of Unsolved Mysteries and the reenactments were nowhere near as good, they still did a lot of good for uh the country and for you know other countries and things like that in terms of capturing a lot of criminals so um, America's Most Wanted definitely does have a place in uh, history if you ask me when it comes to all the good that it's done oh, yeah, for and sure. it's, really, it's really too bad that that is not on the air in, anymore and neither is Unsolved Mysteries so you don't really have shows like that that are like this person's still on the run I mean there's like The Hunt with John Walsh but it's not the same you know, it's, it's, it's just not the same. It doesn't roll off the tongue like America's Most Wanted. It, it doesn't have the same uh reputation as, as America's Most Wanted did. And it's one of those shows that I think, just like Cops, they were only canceled because Fox was like, we're the Glee Network. We're the other, we're, we're not trying, we don't want to associate ourselves with, with crime anymore.
0: I honestly feel like, um, I think Netflix or Hulu or one of these streaming services, they need to step up and do their own made a crime show where you can give tips or whatever by going to a website
1: yeah i mean look at the the success of shows like making a murderer or the keepers so it's one of those things where true crime reality show with uh tips and you know tip line and like unsolved mysteries like i mean amazon prime i mean you have the show streaming on there that'd be a perfect place for a, a new reboot to yeah, because like,
0: part of me wonders how viable it would even be to do a show like, you know, America's Most Wanted on network television anymore, you know, with a hotline that someone could call in. Yeah, because
1: a lot of people don't even watch yeah, they don't... network television yeah, anymore. Yeah,
0: they watch it for sports or, or something that they can't get on streaming services. But I mean, it, it is it is so the norm now. It's not even funny to just watch Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime for your...
1: Well, I mean, you can, you can just, uh, you can stream sports, but it's expensive and in some cases you 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 can only stream them on your phone for instance if you're in the same like the same house which is so stupid like what is the point of that like why would i stream a entire football game on my cell phone when 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 i i have a a, a big screen tv i can watch it on or my computer which is a pretty a much bigger screen in the same house it makes no sense like the, the, the rules and regulations they have for that is a is a mystery all in itself anyway speaking of mysteries um this one actually was solved uh, thankfully because this is a really tragic case uh my pick for this week is the case of cheryl holland and i picked this one because i thought it was just an absolutely appalling and shocking case I remember when I first saw this segment, I was like, I did not expect it to go the direction that it went at all. It was one of those, it was like, wow, like, shit went from, like, zero to 100 in, like, no time flat. So this one deals with uh, a lady named Cheryl Holland. Uh, She's wanted for murder, arson, and and robbery. I am. So Joe Harvey, 57, and Maddie Teat Harvey. (laughs) Teat. You I don't know why she has that nickname. That's unfortunate. They were a couple who lived in the small town of Lewis Chapel Mountain, Tennessee, north of Chattanooga. For years, they ran a combination gas station and convenience store. It was the only place to buy gas and groceries for miles around. According to Joe's brother, Ed, it was common knowledge that they kept cash receipts in the store. Ed suggested that they keep the money elsewhere to prevent robberies. However, they trusted the community members and did not feel that they needed, needed to to needed and I, 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 I'm I not feeling that I need to Pronounce words correctly apparently However they trusted the community members And did not feel they needed to protect their money Which was a mistake if you're in this situation Always protect your money Okay Do not leave money In the store Just because oh, I'm in a small town Everybody knows everybody They never do anything Don't take that chance not worth it. On March, on March. It's very. On more, on Mar- <laughs> it's very Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, it's very. Uh, these people seem very old fashioned and, and, and very trusting yeah. in a lot of ways.
1: It, it, yeah, that's no, fine. But when it comes to that kind of thing, you, you just don't do that. Probably like a lot of places were robbed in the Wild West, because <laughs> the same thing. I'll we'll just trust everybody. You know, I, I know. Cletus over here and everybody knows everybody and then Cletus ends up robbing your ass. Oh yeah, not... you
0: boy you you strange boys uh with the trench coats and the shotguns, you can keep all them sh yeah, you can stump <laughs> stay the night in my bank. You can sleep in the vault, that's fine. We're all kin folk round here. Oh, they robbed me, damn. <laughs> See, that's that's why shows like Unsolved Mysteries did such a great public service, cause they instilled paranoia in our hearts against our common man.
1: Well, actually, it did do a good job when it comes to letting people know uh, that you should not make ill advised decisions like leaving your money in the cash register or just a- on site and just going off and just expecting everything's going to be hunky dory. On March 4th, 1991, a local sheriff was called to the Harvey house because their store was not open as scheduled. The sheriff found that the entire place had been damaged by fire. There was no trace of either Joe or Maddie inside. Blood spots were found outside of the home. Agents from the Tennessee Borough of Investigation were brought in to investigate the case. A two-gallon gasoline can was found on the kitchen counter. More blood spots were found throughout the home. Investigators believe that the couple had been attacked and kidnapped from their home, with robbery being the motive. They believe that the fire was deliberately set to cover up the crime. The Harvey's 27-year-old niece, Cheryl Holland, vanished just a few days later. The Harveys did not have children of their own, but they were close to their extended family. They were especially close to Cheryl and her daughter. One week after the Harveys vanished, Cheryl's pickup truck was found abandoned at a truck stop two hours from home. Investigators found that the keys were still in the truck, which was unlocked. Next to the truck, they also found a necklace belonging to her. Her pocketbook was also found in the truck as well. This led investigators to believe that she may have also been abducted. Investigator's next question Cheryl's common law husband, Eddie Wooten He said that before she vanished She took him to Newport News, Virginia A weird name for a town Why is it called Newport News? It's a mystery That's news to me (laughs) He claimed that they stopped Somewhere along the way to sleep But he could not remember where Other inconsistencies in his story Made investigators suspicious Rightfully so, I'd be like Really? (laughs) Oh, we stopped somewhere to sleep, but I don't know where. Like, how do you not know where you stopped to sleep? I mean, were you drunk? Were you high? Were you both? Or were you just lying? They suspected that he and Cheryl may have been involved in Harvey's disappearance. However, her family could not believe this. Understandably so. It's the the Unsolved Mysteries uh, trope. There's no way that they could have done that. Uh, My daughter couldn't be capable of doing this. I know
0: them, and they they would never do that. You know, I love how all these people just know. (laughs) They just know the other person so well, you know? It's like, you know, any of the suicides on the show, it's like, Jim would have never killed himself. I know that about him, and he wouldn't have done it. And it's like, you know, the evidence (laughs) proved that he killed himself. And it's like, well, damn. There
1: are other ones where it kind of does look like, It isn't suicide, so I could see why they feel that way. Oh, yeah, on some of them. On March 10th, Eddie was questioned again. He claimed that in late February, he had taken Cheryl to a hospital in Knoxville for a week-long treatment for stomach cancer. He claimed that he could not remember the name of the hospital. Family members had told investigators that she had borrowed money from them to use for cancer treatments. Investigators determined that she used the money for other things. What a fucking prick. I mean, what a bitch! Total fucking nasty bitch. I mean, really, it's not only bad enough that you, looks to me, that you killed these people, stole money, and then drove off, and even burned their place down, but you also lied about having cancer. Yep,
0: yeah, that's I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah. You, you, you see sides of people on this show, and you're like, wow, I, I didn't know someone was... Cap- okay, yeah, I guess they are capable of doing that. I guess... Okay, that's a nice thing that I know about humanity now. You
1: look at the picture of Cheryl Holland on on this Wikipedia page. Uh, yeah, like, I, it's like my, my grandma, anyone's grandma. Yeah, like a school teacher or something, like this big, giant... Horn rimmed glasses or something. Oh, no, those aren't horn rimmed glasses. Those are. Th- oh, they're no. horn rimmed. Those are, those are the plastic ones. Those are welder yeah. shields for your eyes. <laughs> so you look at her, you're not going to think. You know, that's why you don't judge a book by its cover because sometimes you can have somebody who looks as unassuming as Cheryl Holland and she's a total monster. Yeah, it's true. So going back to this shocking it really is a shocking case because it's like all these stu- all this stuff just starts piling on top of one top of uh another so you just have this stuff where you're like oh you know the murder of these all this older couple teats gets killed <laughs> teats. <laughs> really they <laughs> murdered teats not teats oh good old teat <laughs> uh on the everybody loves some teats uh, on the day Eddie claimed that he took her to Knoxville, com- investigators confirmed that she was actually working in Chattanooga. Confronted with many inconsistencies, he decided to confess to the truth. He would give the same confession three different times. In his confession, he stated that on March 2nd, Cheryl came home from work stating that she needed more money. Why does she need all this money? Is she uh, betting it on drugs? That's that's a possibility. Uh, That's probably a likely scenario. (laughs) Um, I don't think she's stealing money to give it to the poor. (laughs) So. They planned on going to her mother's home to pick up a paycheck. Along the way, they went to a gas station and purchased a gas can, which they filled up. After visiting her parents, the two went to the home of Joe and Maddie Harvey to rob them. He claimed that when they went inside, they left Cheryl's five-year-old daughter and their six-week-old son in their truck. Yeah. yeah, just leave your kids, leave your kids in the truck while you go in and murder people, and try to and commit arson. See, that would never happen, and rob and rob and rob their uh, house. That would
0: never happen these days because, like, within a minute of those kids being in that vehicle alone, someone would have busted the window out and been like, "Oh my God, are you guys okay?" It's like, it's like 78 degrees in here. Oh my God, let's call 911. There's child neglect going on in this truck. Like that, that would have, 2017, that's, that's what would have happened. And these people. Well, that would be a, that would be a positive for
1: this cold of outrage. Totally. It would, that, that would (laughs) have been a positive, um, you know. So Cheryl told Eddie that they had to kill them as they were about to go inside. He was unwilling to do so, but she persuaded him. After entering, she talked to Joe briefly and then went to get Maddie. A few seconds later, Eddie came in and shot Joe while he was watching TV. Maddie ran to the living room and was also shot. Eddie and Cheryl then took the couple's bodies and placed them in the trunk of their own car. Eddie followed Cheryl as she drove down Harvey's car over the Alabama state line. She drove the car into the Tennessee River near the Bridgeport Ferry. Later, she returned to the Harvey home and stole $150,000 in cash. After stealing the money, she set the home on fire. Unsolved Mysteries, as usual, did a absolutely amazing job with reenactment here. Um, they actually did light some stuff on fire. And I thought the actors they had to play these uh, these uh, criminals are uh, well cast. Um, they did a good job showing the crime happen in a way that you could get away with on network television.
0: Yeah, and they actually did drive a car into a lake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. It, investigators found a bloody fingerprint on the bottom of the gas can found in the Harvey home. This print was matched to Cheryl's known thumbprint. She is fucked. <laughs> Searchers began dragging the river near the Bridgeport Ferry. On April 17, 1991, the Harvey's car was found in the river with their bodies inside. Both had been shot in the head, just as Eddie described. Eddie Wooten was charged with the murders. A warrant was issued for Cheryl's arrest. Woot! Investigators began tracking her movements following the murders. They learned that she had left her children with her mother. They also learned that an unidentified man appeared to be following her. Around 9.30 p.m. on March 7th, five days after the murders, she arrived at a service station in Greenville, Tennessee. Just seconds after entering the store, she told the clerk that she had to leave. As she went back to her truck, a bearded man wearing a leather jacket tried to talk to her. She left the station, and the man driving a red truck followed her. Was this like one of the lost village people or something? (laughs) About an hour later, she was spotted using a payphone at a truck stop 12 miles from the previous station. She told her family that she was two hours from home. Later, another witness spotted two people talking in her pickup truck. The unidentified man was apparently seen at Cheryl's workplace on the day before the murders. She was seen writing this man a check. Investigators are uncertain how this man is connected to the case. Carol was last seen at the truck stop at around 11.30 p.m. on the night of March 7th. Her family believes that the unidentified man was responsible for her disappearance. However, investigators are certain that she is alive and still on the run. The case first aired in uh, the February 26, 1992 episode. So I think it was like four, like maybe four. Yeah, no, That sounds about right. And there's an update to this case. She was captured. Thanks to a viewer's tip, just forty-five minutes after her story first aired, Cheryl Holland was arrested in Rollingwood, Texas, at the convenience store where she had worked for six months. She was living under the assumed name AZ a- AZ Amy, that would be a crazy name, AZ. I think there's a vitamin called A to Z or something, isn't it? Like A Like AZ sounds like a, a name for like some pop star. AZ Azalea. <laughs> That's Iggy's daughter. Did name her AZ. Uh she's living under the assumed name Amy Elizabeth Forrester. Her colleagues were shocked about her double life. I mean who wouldn't?
0: Yeah, I think it with with these women, man, like they they always when it comes out like with um oh what's her what's her tits um uh, uh the chick who Marie Marie, Marie, Marie Hilly. Hilly like everyone's always like super shocked like what the fuck because her new husband, John, like, everyone in the office yeah. uh, that she worked, they were all, like, I don't know, they were kind of suspicious. But, yeah, it's, it's always more surprising. Because, honestly, nine times out of ten, it's a male who commits these kind of things. Yeah.
1: Well, also, I've noticed this. A lot of the times when these people go on the run, there's a lot of instances where they're working at a convenience store. Yeah, exactly. Four days later, she was returned to Tennessee to face some the murder charges Cheryl pleaded guilty and was spared the death sentence she and Eddie are now serving life sentences for the murders Cheryl, Cheryl Holland so worked up about this bitch can't even talk Cheryl Holland will not be eligible for parole until November 20, 2021 Eddie Wooten will not be eligible for parole until April 2020 and that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to
0: get parole. they're just eligible for it so they may not even be yeah, released then
1: they shouldn't be released no I mean, this is a couple that killed two innocent people, robbed their home, committed arson at the same time, and also played a part in lying about somebody in in the relationship having cancer. I mean, these people are scum.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, there there was uh, so many other things you could have done for money you know but to to you know come up with some kind of scheme like this is just like who the fuck does that <laughs> obviously a lot of people do that from us
1: who the fuck does all of these things at
0: once that's the yeah thing. exactly yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of the elaborate nature of the yeah i don't know man you
1: know, it's a total sociopathic sort of thing i would not be surprised at all if cheryl holland is a textbook sociopath um Because to her, it seems like things that are wrong, that are bad, they're not wrong to her. She doesn't know what wrong really is. Everything is right. And as long as it benefits her. Uh, I love the
0: uh, in the Marie Hilly thing, um, what her son said about, I think it was either her son or someone else in the segment, they go, she was very good at, uh, or these sociopaths are very good at playing the role of life. Uh, they're yeah. good They're almost like alien creatures masquerading as a human being, but they really don't um, they don't actually have any empathy or sympathy for any of their victims. They're just good at pretending that you know they're this they care yeah they care that this that and the other but but all they simply do is see people as resources to be exploited. And that was, yep. that was, it was, the quote was something like that. And I thought that was a really great quote because that's
1: a great quote. And that sums up Cheryl Holland and and possibly also her husband. I mean, to, to go along with that kind of thing, you'd also have to have some kind of tendencies like that. Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, a lot of people, oh, he was afraid he was going to die or whatever. It's like, what if you were in that situation? Like, would you rather die? I would rather just shoot me. Well, she
0: was just I'm not... she was just screwing the crap out of this guy, and he just could he yeah. just couldn't say no.
1: She doesn't look like a sex kitten to me.
0: Yeah, they, you, you never know. You never know who <laughs> who is and is not a sex kitten. Could be could, um... perhaps it's you. Oh
1: throwback.
0: <laughs> Damn. Can't believe I just defiled their podcast by putting it in one of my uh, one of my sick one of my sick jokes. Oh uh, man. Don't cringe at me, Mike.
1: How dare you cringe at me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh rest in peace, uh Joe and Teat. Teat. Uh suckle forth on the nectar of the afterlife. Because So yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about this case. Uh except Fuck Cheryl, and and fuck, uh, um, what's his name? Fucking, uh, Eddie Wooten. Yeah.
0: Sorry, sorry this is coming off as such a
1: laid-back podcast for
0: me. Uh, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm very,
1: (laughs) That's fine. I can kind of tell. Also, you know, yeah, we're, we're we're basically kind of talking shit on some of these people, but how can you not? I'm sorry. Like, people are awful. You know, it's
0: funny, I I I I feel like a lot of the, re- you know, I, I talk about one star reviews a lot, and I'm just going to say that it's becoming a trope of the podcast. It's kind of a funny thing to me, it's kind of a gag, but honestly, like, <laughs> the people who give us the one stars, because I always click on their username and I see what else they've reviewed, and they're all, and, and they, like, give five stars to, like, NPR, Car Talk, and this, that, and the other, and all these real, like, safe, like you know <laughs> not b- not bus- button pushing podcasts and it's like okay people you know we're not that kind of podcast so if you've stumbled across this and you don't like it or whatever like why can't just respect the fact that maybe it's not your cup of tea but it in and of itself is not absolute shit you know like yeah We have opinions about- strong opinions about these people. It's a reaction that most people would have and should have, and for whatever reason, I guess there's just people out there in the world who feel like it's still inappropriate to call these people fucking douchebags and shitheads, you know, but I'm sorry, I make no apologies for that, you know?
1: I don't either. When you murder people, you rob them, you do all of this awful shit, I mean, and you get convicted and you're guilty of this, I'm sorry, like I and I, I don't really have any sympathy for you. So that that concludes this edition of the Sunday afternoon podcast
0: with Mike and Josh. Um, Sunday afternoon podcast. That sounds like we'd be talking about crepes and like like m- mimosa <laughs> recipes and shit. Um,
1: this, talk about the unsolved mystery of how you know to make a certain crepe with a certain uh, ingredient.
0: You can tell Mike is a whiz in the kitchen. Did you hear <laughs> I am not did you hear how eloquent he talked about cooking just then. Um, so anyway, if you want to um, follow us on Facebook it's facebook.com/ uncovering unexplained Mysteries. Although if I were you, I would join our Facebook group. It's way better. It's same name Uncovering unexplained mysteries. Just search it in the group section on Facebook. and there's certain stuff that's going on in there that I can't tell you about. You'll just have to go take a little looky-loo for yourself. We have a Twitter account now. We've got 17 followers so far. It's pretty incredible. Uh, It's called... It's at uncovering UM. That's our Twitter handle, at uncovering UM. The at, of course, is a little squiggly A sign. I'm I'm not big into Twitter. I'm not savvy about Twitter. I don't know if I even just, like, told you the right thing in the right way. But, um... I don't know, they say you should be on every social media platform because it's all free and it's all getting you out there and bumping up those SEO results, so whatever. And then if finally, if you want to follow me and Mike separately but equally, you can find us on YouTube. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. He does movie reviews and sometimes taste tests. Um, I think you're doing like a fan request thing right now, aren't you?
1: I'm going to start doing that in December. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, that's cool. So so if you want Mike to talk about a certain movie, go on over to his channel, or, uh, yeah, I'm going to make you go to his channel. Go on over to his channel and, and comment a movie that you might want him to review. Um, if I had a suggestion, have you talked about This is Spinal Tap yet? No, but that's a great movie. Yeah, I totally watched that. Yeah, that's my bid. Um, okay. Uh, and you can follow me on YouTube. It's youtube.com dancingwithghosts. Um, I, I do fuck everything. Video game reviews, TV reviews, movie reviews, taste testing, videos, um, product demonstrations. I think I do too much shit. I probably should have just picked like one or two things and stuck with that, but instead I decided to be like a bag of trail mix of YouTube and do like literally everything. So you can find me on there. Um, And I think that's all the time we have. So until next week, which I think will be in the month of December for our next podcast we do. Um, Don't know why that's important. I'm tired. I'm leaving. Bye. (laughs) See ya. What's up guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh if you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those uh, or you could just message me on Facebook and say, "Hey, I want a copy of your CD, and I will mail it out to you." But uh, yeah, it's out now, and it is—it is finished, and it's uh, some good stuff. So, uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then, uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. Uh, music is sold online, or go to Bandcamp.com and search "Dancing with Ghosts." Thank you. She said they don't be-